Drowning in status updates and lost in endless emails? Break free with ClickUp.com, the one app to replace them all. Imagine a world where your team collaborates effortlessly in one shared space. No more chaos, just ClickUp. Your projects, tasks, and communication unified at last. Transform how you work with customizable views, seamless integration, and real-time updates. ClickUp is your shortcut to more productive days and happier teams. Join the millions of productive teams already streamlining their workflow. Visit ClickUp.com to get started. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. The connection between you and your therapist matters. That's why Alma focuses on helping you find the right someone to talk to, not just anyone. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search by what you want to focus on, like anxiety, relationships, or big life transitions. You can also specify preferences around gender, race, faith, and more to help you find someone who's more likely to understand where you're coming from. Alma also makes it easy for therapists to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of providers in their directory accept insurance for sessions, so you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash not just anyone to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash not just anyone. Welcome back. It's Molly and Haas, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to score Thanksgiving Eve. Molly is off today. I am here until 10 o'clock, and it's time now to go to our score hotline, powered by IBEW Local 9, Chicago's original powerhouse since 1892, and that's where we find my Take the North podcast partner, the Chicago Tribune's very own, Dan Wiederer. Good morning, Dan. How are you? Hi, David. How's it going? Doing well. Uh, thank you for getting up early. I don't know if you have a full day ahead of you at Hallis Hall. I don't know if you're off today. My sense is you're not. You're going to be out there chronicling everything that is said after the meltdown in Motown and looking ahead to Monday Night Football because – is Justin Fields speaking today? Is that part of the schedule? Yes. Yeah, Justin will be uh, scheduled to speak after practice today, which will probably be close to the 3 o'clock hour. Uh, and he'll have a chance to kind of look back on what was one of his best performances of his career, if you're being quite honest about it. It'll be interesting to see kind of what the, the reflection and the self-analysis taught him. What did it teach you? What did you learn Sunday that you didn't know? If you learned anything you didn't know, or what are we to make of Justin Fields' performance against the Lions in a losing effort, not really because of him, but he did enough to win, probably deserved better. How did you interpret what happened? Yeah, look, I think he played really, really well, and probably what I was most impressed with was noticeable improvement in areas where we've asked him to make noticeable improvement. It's the pocket awareness. It's the ability to move with this inside the pocket, find yourself a throwing lane, and then keep your eyes up down the field and, and make some throws. And there were a handful of examples Sunday where Justin was dialed in in that regard, where he didn't prematurely panic in the pocket, where he was able to get himself set to make a, a throw. And then obviously you saw some uh, throws from unorthodox arm angles that he that he was able to complete. You mix that in with the ability to truly threaten a defense with your legs as a runner. Uh, we saw them obviously do a whole lot of zone read in the running game. Uh, and Justin kept it a lot of the times because of what the Lions defense was doing in terms of the crash down 
on the running backs. And when you can, when you can threaten a defense in multiple ways, that's what makes you dangerous. And that's kind of what we've been asking for, for a long time is okay. Like 2022 was all about establishing your threat as a runner, as a scrambler, as a, an athletic playmaker that really, really can intimidate defenses at times. Now you've got to find the counterpunch when they are so worried about that. And again, there were a couple examples the other day where, where he starts to move and you can see the Lions defense go, oh God, I think he's going to run here. And then he just kept his eyes up, made a throw downfield and, and hit it. Why do you think he was better or more natural doing that or maybe more conscious of doing that after the layoff? Do you think that he watched, he learned, or just missing the action made him reinforce some of the fundamentals more. Because, Dan, let's face it, whether it was because of the game plan or because of the performance, whatever the case is, what we saw Sunday was what a lot of us have been waiting to see from Justin Fields in terms of just being natural. He was explosive. He was doing the right things. It was his best game of the year. Do you do you attribute that to having 35 days to think about or to watch and Hey, I, you get better by watching. You learned a lot. There were two cool things for me within that game. Um, and, and the first was, you know, after the game, when Justin was talking about the layoff that you just mentioned, and, and he said, you know, everybody was wondering it was, was the, you know, 35 days away from game action going to affect me. And he said, yeah, it affected me. It affected me positively. I felt fresh. I felt like it was the first game of the year. And so to have kind of that, that mental refresh, that physical refresh, that, that eagerness to get back on a football field, I think it was significant in the way that he played on Sunday. I think he was probably a little bit, um, looser in the way where he understands the urgency of this, these last seven games and what they mean to the the, the franchise, what they mean to him. Um, but he was able to not let that. And we talked about it leading up to the game. He was not, he wasn't feeling that it was just like, this is about Sunday. This is about putting my best foot forward within this performance for my teammates. And then the other thing that I thought was cool was just the way they came out, you know, that opening drive to go right down the field for a touchdown and do it without getting to third down it was notable because it was an offense that was in a groove, you know, and, and, and we weren't expecting that with a quarterback that hadn't been on the football field uh, for five weeks and hadn't played good football in, in 45 days, you know, going all the way back to the, the Washington game, quite frankly. And so that was, that was cool to see him find that groove so quickly uh, and to feel it really through the entire performance. Talking with Dan Weeder from the Chicago Tribune, also from the take the North podcast here on the Mullen Haw show. You can also See Dan on twitch.tv slash Chicago 670, the score on this Wednesday morning, Thanksgiving Eve, if you will. All right, Dan, so I think that we talk about this a lot in the podcast. It's a weekly segment about QB1 and the development and progress and evolution of Justin Fields. And I go to the Twitter machine. You're very (laughs) active are you willing to engage? And I think that's that's a, a credit to you. But I, I want to ask cr- about it's not a credit to me. It's a personality flaw uh, or a quirk. I, you know, you're less grumpy this morning. You sound like you're in a good mood. That's good. I, I don't want to we'll get see. you. I'm sure you can change it. I, I don't want to trigger you, but uh, but I do want to go to your Twitter feed where you say this, and it's from a couple days ago. The QB conversation in Chicago isn't just off the rails. I don't even think the rails exist. It's a wild experience to witness how many different pretzels people can twist themselves into coming up with theories and beefs that have little logic or reason. Carry on. What prompted that? Okay, so Matt Spiegel actually messaged me about this that afternoon trying to figure out what prompted that as well. <laughs> you got to remember that I had a five-hour flight delay in Detroit 
on Monday morning. I remember. Which gives you more time than you possibly want to be on the Twitter machine. The Twitter machine has a column these days called For You. And I can promise you that it's not for me. But I get stuck <laughs> there. I get stuck there a lot because most of the stuff in there, you go, this isn't for me. Why Why are you bringing this to me? And I, David, I think it's just like, so, so the thing specifically that upset me was Matt Bowen gave a really good, detailed, informed football analysis of the pass to Tyler Scott to end the game and why the read that Justin made was the aggressive read and the one he was coached to make and why it was proper, even though a lot of people wanted him to throw underneath to DJ Moore. Matt Bowen is a accomplished football coach these days. <laughs> he played in the NFL for almost a decade, was a, a terrific safety uh, while I was in college. Uh, obviously, he was at Iowa uh, messing up the Illini here and there. And there were people lashing out at him as if he didn't know what he was talking about. You know what I mean? And so yes. like that was that was the specific trigger. And I, I later tweeted that to kind of to kind of give people an idea. And I and I had a sarcastic tweet that that like 60 percent of the audience didn't get the sarcasm. And anyway, I think our football conversation has been our quarterback conversation specifically has been hijacked by the extremists on both sides of the field conversation where like, David, you had people on Monday trying to deny that Justin played well against the Lions, you know, and like what are you doing there? Like, I get it. You may not have seen that performance and been like, this changes my mind and what they should do in the future. That's completely understandable. But to, to, to be in denial that the guy played well in that game is just being blind. Now on the other side of things, you've got this whole uh, cast of, of fields apologists that like, they want you to throw out every bad game of his. They want you to throw out every injury. They want you to throw out every fourth quarter hip hiccup. They want you to throw out every prolonged stretch of struggle and then when there's that one flash of brilliance, they want you to say, yep, that's it. That's who he is. And that's who he's going to be for the remainder of his career. So uh, it's a long answer to your question, but I just think like we have to stay in, as we've talked about in the podcast many times within the electric fence, where, where the reason zone is, where the logic zone is, where, where you can have an uh, honest conversation and an analysis of a quarterback that isn't so hypercharged by emotion that it creates just irrational thoughts and 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 then people go plucking evidence that just tries to support their opinion when none of it makes sense it's a big ask i mean it's a big ask in a town that's passionate <laughs> about football and also when you're looking at social media for any kind of context that's where context goes to die so yeah. i don't know that you uh I, I think that i understand what you're saying I, I don't know how realistic it is but fans are also entitled to overreact as much as they choose. Now, we get a lot of that. We get a lot of that with Justin Fields at both ends of the yeah. spectrum. And I think that's what you're responding to. And I agree with that because I do think that the truth is somewhere in the middle. Which brings me to what happened yesterday or what I heard yesterday on the score. I'm curious to see, you know, you covered Chase Daniel. He was in town for a few years as a backup quarterback. As I said, that uh, his his biography he could write would be how to – uh, how to attain wealth while holding a clipboard. I mean, this is a guy that's been around a lot of NFL quarterbacks and teams and knows this position as well as anybody probably in a position to comment on quarterbacks. And this is what he had to say on Tuesday afternoon on the Parkinson Spiegel show about Justin Fields and his future. What you've put on film up to this point matters, but it's a what have you done for me lately, Lee? And and if you watch the breakdown, I title it, Justin Fields is here to stay. Because I truly believe, and I tweeted out that went viral a couple days ago when I was watching the game. I'm like, you're crazy right now if you don't think that the brass 
of the Chicago Bears and Ryan Poles is not using this game to think that Justin Fields is their guy because 100% they are. They want to be right. And if they draft a quarterback, so be it. Doesn't necessarily mean Justin Fields' time is over there. But I think that at this juncture and what we've seen so far now, it could change in the next five games that Justin Fields is a better option right now than Caleb Williams or Drake May. Wow. Dan, your reaction. Yeah, I mean, like, I think that's an example of, like, and listen, like, I think Chase's uh, analysis of the quarterback position this year for the Bears has been pretty good from start to finish uh, of the season, and obviously we've got six more weeks to go, but that's that's an example of of that, that sort of getting caught up in the moment to me, the emotion of, like, this performance is the be-all, end-all. Well, like, what was the buzzword we heard all last week um, from Matt Eberflus and, and, and obviously understanding that it's going to be message throughout the rest of the season they wanted to see one thing from justin fields and it was consistency okay so you just went out in your first game of seven to finish the season and you played really well can you do it in the second game can you do it in the third game can you do it for five out of the last seven games in a way that that then creates that that feeling that chase had in that clip there that is more legitimate if justin goes and puts up an absolute stinker in minnesota And then he comes back home to play the Lions and puts up an absolute stinker. And then he's headed to Cleveland to play a really good defense on the road and going back to the site where he had that awful uh, first start of his NFL career where he was just pummeled left and right by the Browns. Like, we're not having this conversation on the week of Christmas that he's here to stay. We're going, okay, like, which quarterback do you like more? And so, like, it's just that it's just that whole in the moment overreaction to things that, that, they're not doing upstairs at hell. So I promise you that, that they're trying to look at this through a big picture lens an informed lens with a comprehensive body of evidence that's been put together over three seasons, you know, and obviously two seasons with this regime, but they're, you know, going to look at this in the ways that we talked about last week, David, where this seven game stretch is a final exam, right? And the final exam is usually worth a lot, but it's not your entire grade. You don't just get to throw out the entire semester of what you've done up to that point, uh, because you get a really good grade on the final, your final can up your grade, you know, it can, it can reduce your grade. And so that's what this is in my mind is it's, it's this final exam that Justin's taken and he's got through the first section of the final exam really well. That game in Detroit was impressive. Well, now what's behind it. We're going to Minnesota on Monday to watch him play a Vikings team that blitzed him a ton, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, and, and completely frazzled him. He was completely uncomfortable for the first two and a half quarters of that game before he got hurt. And uh, again, like there's a lot of people that throw that game out because he got hurt. And it's like the people that when you were growing up, you're, you're beating their butt in a, you know, a video game and you're playing Tecmo Bowl and they hit the reset button. It's like, okay, you didn't beat me because the game never finished. Well, no, like Justin was bad in that game. And just because he got hurt taking a sack doesn't just erase that from who he is as a quarterback. And so now look like you're going to face the same defense. Brian Flores is going to throw a ton of pressure at you again. Can you respond better to it? Can you react to it in that road environment and, and show growth, show improvement, show consistency. We'll see where that goes. You broke down Justin Fields against the Lions, 33 pass plays dialed up. You marked only three as what you referred to as iffy or ugly. And, and I think that's a pretty good percentage for somebody who has had more iffy or ugly plays prior to his return. And I think that's the consistency that you need to see moving forward in the final six games. But Dan, I I ask you this because this has been obviously, as you know, when the conversation stays on the rails, it typically involves whether or not running Justin Fields is sustainable. He had 14 designed runs, 18 overall. And I've always made the argument and believe this, 
the conundrum about Justin Fields with the Bears, or maybe in the NFL, is that for him to be better as a passer, I think that he, it improves his accuracy when he's a runner. And he gets going, and he starts to feel it, and you see the confidence oozing out of him like he did with a dance after the 29-yard run. I just wonder, how do you find that balance? And do you, do you believe that something has changed in the Bears' approach to him that you know, when watch a Sunday's game, you're excited, but then you're ticked off because why, where was this in the first four games? And I just wonder, is this, in your mind, sustainable? The sustainability part is, is a huge question because you're not going to be able to run your quarterback 18 times a game. I think Brad Biggs uh, extrapolated it out and said that's going to be more than 300 carries for an entire season. No quarterback's going to be able to do that and, and live to tell about it. You know, and obviously we know like Justin has missed a quarter of the games the Bears have played since he was drafted with injuries to five body parts and uh, an, an illness, you know, and so like availability is a big deal here. And again, that's why I've said a couple of times that those four plus games that he missed, aren't just like thrown from his ledger because durability is something they're evaluating. And so when you miss a quarter of the season and a quarter of the games that your team has played in your career, like that's, that's part of your resume and you've got to make sure that you're on the football field. Um, To your question about what they did on Sunday, like I think you need to understand how to get things going. You said 33 dropbacks and I've got them in front of me on the, my, my note cards, seven of them uh, include a, a, a moving pocket, you know, where, where a designed pocket movement where, where you get them out and, and you allow them to use that. Obviously we talk about some of the design quarterback runs that are also part of that. I thought maybe the coolest play design in the game was what I called a play action concept, but there was no fake handoff. It was Justin pretending to do a quarterback sweep to the left and then spinning back out to the right. That was cool on a throw deck when he St. Brown. And that's a re- like, that's yeah. a really cool little thing there that a wrinkle that you've added in, he hits the pass and, and you're like, wow, that was, that was, that was pretty good. Like as somebody that, that really got addicted to play design and play calling in my flag football league with my fifth graders this year, like that, that was one. I was like, Oh, we gotta, we gotta look at that. That's pretty cool. Um, and you said like, there was only, uh, I marked three and a half iffy or ugly on, on my play card. And there were 10 plays that were just, terrific you know I, I think maybe my favorite throw of the day is that one on the move to the left to Mooney because he's he's moving you know right to left not easy for a quarterback and throws an absolute fastball into a, a it's not a it's not a tight window but it's not a wide open window either and it was just a quarterback playing with flow a quarterback playing with confidence a quarterback playing in the rhythm of, of the football game and that was there most of the the afternoon on Sunday so now okay like you're going to face a different defense. You're going to face a, diff- a defense that's going to come at you, as we talked about, with a lot of more pressure, you know, a lot more blitzes. There are certain things that you're not going to be able to do. One of the things you're not going to be able to do is take a designed first snap of the game that uh, tells you to, that there's going to be a free rusher and you've got to drift and throw and take a sack on the first play of the game. Well, that's Luke Getz's issue, right? That's Luke. No, no, that, 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 that was Justin's okay, issue. Okay, but that, yeah, we're going to go back and debate that. I, we're not going to go back and debate that. We I, are going to go back and debate that because that's a play that a quarterback in his third season has to understand and see. Now, if you like the play call or not, that's fine. But like it's it, it, like you've heard from Olin, you've heard from Manley, you've heard from I get it, you know Bowen. Like every anybody that's been in in the sport tells you like look like dude like you recognized it before the snap. That guy's coming free. You have two responsibilities: get to your right and get rid of the ball. Uh, it's not a hard decision. I, I think back there is brutal. I think your experience as a flag football coach has made you more defensive 
about Luke Getze because you don't like the play caller being criticized because you've probably been criticized by some parents for not calling enough <laughs> shotguns or something like that. So you want to be defensive of Luke Getze, the great Getze, Luke Coriel, as I called him the other day in the podcast, and he yelled at me. So what I would say to that is that, that look, like I, I'm, I'm not getting defensive about Luke Getze. I am taking exception to the people that have created him as the boogeyman that has been the guy who has somehow torpedoed everything that the Bears offense has been trying to do. The Bears, as I mentioned to you the other day, they rank in the top 10 in the league in rushing offense, in third down efficiency, in red zone conversions. And there's only two other teams in the NFL that, that, that can do that. It was the 49ers and the Ravens, two teams that are using high-powered offenses to head to the playoffs and potentially chase down a Super Bowl this year. If your offensive coordinator is so bad, that's not capable of happening. If your offensive coordinator is as bad as everybody who says launch him into the sun yesterday wants to say, then how do you put together six scoring drives on eight possessions to start the game against the Lions? How do you have your team in position with a quarterback who hasn't played in 35 days doing the things that he's, you know, most gifted at doing most of the afternoon, threatening the team that's running away with your division right now. Like, so like that, that's where I say with the electric fence around the reason zone has to be there because emotion takes over for people and they turn him into, uh, they turn Getsy into a, a guy who's like sabotaging the bears, future and trying to run just now the league. And it's just not founded with any sort of evidence. If you want to criticize them and say like, they haven't had the optimal, uh, runway or springboard to get this offense going in the direction uh, it, it should go, then fine. But like I say, it's it's like the whole creation of like Luke is the reason that this whole program isn't where it needs to be. Is It's just, it's totally exaggerated. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.